0: Today on It's Time, storms of life hit everybody. It's where your hope lies when the storms hit. I hear the calling. It's time. Time.
1: It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler.
0: 27 tonight again, as we look at Paul in a shipwreck. Ah, this is an incredible story, and uh, looking at how people look at things differently than people of faith. So tonight, we're going to look a little bit more at all that and see exactly how Paul, though he was involved in the same things that everybody else was going through, it affected him differently. And thus, everybody else was affected differently as well. We'll just pick the story up in um, uh, 2713. Well, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word tonight, thank you for all you do for us. And we ask you now that, God, as we would spend this time in study of your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and encourage us. Give us your vision, your wisdom, your insight, Father, in these words that we read tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul has been arrested for being a Christian. Through a lengthy discussion not really any formal charges being charged against him. He appeals to Caesar. They now say, okay, to Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you must go. So he's on his way. He's on a boat under Roman control, under Roman guard. He's going along and they pull into this place called Fairhaven. It was a little town. It's getting late in the year. It's after October 5th because the Bible actually gives us some descriptions about some of the feasts going on. And so it's after the 5th of October and from the 5th of October till about the end of November is considered extremely dangerous sailing. After the end of November, it's insane sailing. You don't do that. Well, the winds turned early and this is what happened as we see this. Now, uh, Fairhaven was a little town, a little seaport town. Uh, they didn't want to spend the winter there. They knew they weren't going to be able to make it clear to, to, uh, Rome where, where, uh, Caesar was. So the idea was then to get to Phoenix, a little better place, bigger town. If you're going to spend three months, it's a lot better to be there than in Fairhaven. And so because the day was nice and they thought the weather was going to be okay, they set sail. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 13. And when the South wind blew softly, Supposing that they had obtained their purpose, parting out to sea, they sail close by Crete. Notice it says, supposing they had obtained their purpose. People of the world oftentimes do not read things properly. Now, Paul had warned them, do not go on this trip. God had warned him not to go. And so he said, this is going to end in a disaster. And so they listened to the captain of the ship instead. So, believing they had attained their purpose, they took off. It says, but not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called a Eurocyclodon. We talked about this last week, how it was basically a hurricane is what hit them. And this is not just a hurricane. This was what we would call like a Nor'easter. Uh, extremely cold. And we oftentimes picture this storm is just maybe wind and a little rain. Most likely it was extremely cold and snow was coming down on them. And so we'll, we'll find out a little bit more about the effects of this when we get into the next chapter. And it tells us that it was extremely cold. So most likely this was a, a um, northern, you might say, winter storm. And so uh, this is what they were caught in. And when the ship was caught, they could not head into the wind. They let it drive. And so they knew that they couldn't control the ship. Uh, the winds were much too powerful. And so they just let the ship go and let it go where it was going to go. Well, running under the shelter of an island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. We talked about this last week. We, The writer of the book of Acts is Luke. And so Luke was probably... Uh, drafted into the help of the ship to make sure things would work. So they pulled a little skiff. Now, a skiff is the little dingy boat behind. And quite often when they would come into a port, they would get into the skiff. They would go the skiff back and forth so that they wouldn't have to bring the much larger ship, which a much deeper draft where it would hit bottom, they would use the little, the little boat behind. Well, they pulled the little boat onto the main boat. Uh, and the Bible here tells us that Luke was uh, part of that as well. And so it says that uh, they, when they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship fearing that they should run aground on the, on Sardis sands and struck sail so they were driven. Uh, this was common practice that if they thought that they have a chance of breaking up, they would run extra girding under the ship uh, to help hold the boards and everything together running uh, around the bottom of the ship and then tied across the top. That was their idea. They were doing... And I, you say, why is this even in here? I believe it shows they believe that they were in real trouble. And they were doing every single thing they could do to make sure that they would make it to their destination. Now... Anybody that had traveled on the seas much, and Paul had traveled on the seas quite a great deal. In fact, uh, as we talked about it before, as we get into Second Corinthians, you'll find Paul lists his credentials of being a pastor, and they weren't the, the uh, diplomas from the different seminaries that he went to. Uh, it was all the hardship and the tears and the, and the trials that he'd gone through. And one of the things Paul's mentioned, that he was shipwrecked three times. So he was, uh, Paul was a, a fairly experienced traveler on the seas, and he also noticed, I believe as well, when the others were doing everything they could do to save the ship, uh, because they knew that they were in trouble, they were in um, late fall, uh, driven by a Urgo or a full-on nor'easter type hurricane. And this thing had swallowed him up from the way it sounds and words it here. They were almost like in the eye of it. Now, a couple of things I think are really important to, to recognize here. First thing is that the rain falls on the just and the unjust just the same. Paul was a righteous man. He was with a bunch of people that were unrighteous. In fact, some of the people he, were, he was with were hardcore criminals. Paul was being lumped in with them because he was arrested for being a Christian. The point is, is that just because we're a Christian doesn't exempt us from trials that we go through in this world. We're we're going to go through those things. Paul went through them. You might ask the question, where, where, why the storm? Uh, We find in the Bible, storms had a lot of effects. And sometimes the storms were, I believe, demonically inspired. We remember Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. And we remember that um, they set out. Jesus fell asleep on the cushions of the boat. And the, the sea came up. And uh, uh, they woke Jesus and said, we're going to go down. We're, we're sinking. And Jesus gets up and rebukes the winds and the waves. And so that's something that, that, uh, that the Lord did. And it became a sea of glass. Now, when they finally crossed over to the other side, this is where they found the man demon-possessed, the man of Gadara. So the disciples were pretty amazed because they said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? So I, I, I look at that. But at the same time, we remember that Jonah uh, was told by God to go to Nineveh and tell that great city, the capital of the uh, Assyrian Empire, most evil country probably that's ever been on the face of the earth, and there's been a lot of evil ones, uh, to go tell the capital city to repent. He didn't want to go. And so the Bible says he went down with his money, purchased the ticket, got on a boat, headed for Tarshish. Now, we don't exactly know where Tarshish is. There's some people believe it was the outer uh, seacoast of Spain. Some people believe it was as far away as, as England. This guy just wanted to get away from what he believed God called him to do. Well, something really important to remember is that uh, the storm came up. Finally, they threw Jonah overboard. The sea became glass and the great fish swallowed him and and ralphed him out on the beach after three days and three nights. Well, the point being is this. Storms of life hit everybody. It's where your hope lies when the storms hit. And noticing that this storm happened to be the same exact storm that affected everybody else. You might think a little bit about that today in our current economic situation in the world, and especially in the United States. Uh, there's, it, it, this is affecting everybody. There's nobody that's, that's going to go unscathed in this. If you're, if you have a business, you're going to see your business scale back. If you're an employee, you might see yourself out of a job. If you see uh, that you have a, a a relatively good income, your income might be cut back so that you can retain your job. Uh, there's, it's going to affect everybody. Uh, but notice Because Paul had a relationship with God, Paul's steadfastness had an effect on all of those that were around him, just as your steadfastness in a time of crisis will have an effect on everybody around you. Now, he goes on and it tells us here. It says, because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. And on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. That's a scary thing when you're, that's like, uh, that's like being out of control on the freeway and uh, turning the steering wheel off and throwing it out the window saying, well, I guess this is the way it's going to be. You, you're throwing away every ability you have to control the ship, okay? But it takes weight And they realized as the waves were coming over the deck of the boat, that if they didn't get more buoyancy, they were going to be swallowed up by the sea. And of course, there was no coast guard to call, no cell phones to buzz somebody with. When you went down, this was it. You were going to die. And so now, and I I always think that's amazing. We threw the ship's tackle over with our own hands. Uh, That had to be, it's mentioned here. And, and I don't think things mentioned in the Bible lightly. And so I believe that this is very significant in saying that we threw the ability to control the ship overboard with our own hands. In other words, it wasn't washed overboard because of a big wave. We threw the ability to control the boat overboard by ourselves. Uh, talk about throwing, have you ever heard the, the, uh, the phraseology, casting your fate to the wind? Well, here it is. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat upon us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Notice there is a point in which this storm, storms of life for that matter as well, will cause a person to finally give up. Now, the difference whether people, I think, sometimes are saved or not saved because you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, a lot of your heart, a lot of what God has placed in you will have an effect on those around you who have given up hope. Remember that. See, you need hope you can believe in, not hope that's a campaign slogan. You need real hope. And real hope only comes from one source, and that's from God, because he's greater than the circumstance that's in front of us. Understanding that every single thing that goes on in our lives, every single problem that we have in our life is an opportunity for God to use you and me in a great way. In fact, I heard it said one time that um, somebody's problem is what gives all of us jobs. If the farmer can't get his water to his field, then he's got a problem. So he has to have somebody that will make the pipe to hire some people to take the pipe into the field, some people that would then make water in the canal to put the water on the, on the crops. Somebody's problem is what makes you and gives you a job. Somebody's problem is what gives you an opportunity to share your faith. So understanding how then God works they had given up hope. Now, tomorrow, believe it or not, you're going to be around people who have given up hope. They may not have a neck, a sign around their neck uh, that says, I've given up hope. But if you learn to discern people and discern where you're at, we've talked about this many times before, being aware of your surroundings. You can pick up on people's countenance And the Bible talks oftentimes about seeing uh, their countenance had fallen. What does that mean? That means that by their facial expression, you can see that there's something wrong. Somebody that's into themselves, uh, don't care about others, there's no compassion in their life, um, they'll miss those clues. But when you're aware of your presence, if you're aware of your surroundings, you will look at somebody and you can see by their eyes, the way they look down, the way, uh, maybe even the way they're dressed a little bit sometimes, that there's something wrong. And that, I believe, friends, is when we shine the greatest that we can. Because when everything else becomes dark, you shine brighter. The darker it gets, the brighter you shine. And when they had given up hope, Paul, then, is able because of his faith in God. See, the, the great thing about a Christian is this. If we die, to live as Christ, to die is gain. So we are in a win-win situation in every situation. Always remember that. That's why there should be no, no downtroddenness in a Christian. And the reason why is because God has a better plan for each one of us. And when the world fails... All hope of them being saved was lost. After it, as it says here, that they would be saved was finally given up. But after a long absence from food, then Paul. By the way, they were so upset. I don't know if you ever tried to eat when you're upset. It's very difficult to do. If you think you're going to die, generally the last thing you do is you 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 uh, try to eat something. There's several reasons why. One. The Bible says that the ship was exceedingly tossed. So they couldn't set down at an ice table. Hey, Cookie, you know, go in the kitchen and, and uh, boil us up some, some broth. And, and No, no, no. No, the, the ship is rocking about ready to go under. Uh, all the ship's tackle is overboard. They've thrown about everything off the boat they can get. They're, we're going to get into a little bit more here where they throw a little bit more off. And, and everything they can do to lighten the ship is gone. Uh, all you can eat is cold food. And then when you're you're upset, you don't feel like eating. And so notice it says, after a long absence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Wow, (laughs) I think this is good. The old, I told you so. You should have listened to me. Paul, I believe, was saying this for a reason. He's saying, you didn't listen to me then. Let's try something new. Try listening to me now. When somebody is right, I'll, buy, I'll tell you kind of a funny thing. I, I, I've never shared this, I don't think, before in church, but uh, understanding how scams work. Scams are an amazing thing. This is a bunny trail, but you'll, you'll see where I'm going with it in a second. You take 100 people, primarily even in church, and you say, you know what, I, I'm an investor, and I, I uh, really watch the stock market closely, and um, if you've got any money to invest, I want to help you, and I'll make you some money. And, and so you tell 50 people in the congregation, or in the class, or in the school, or in the uh, company, you tell 50 of them the stock market is going to go up. You tell the other 50%, the stock market is going to go down. Well week goes by, stock market goes up, you go to the 50% that you told it was going to go up to, we'll see I was right. Now let me tell you this. And you take out of that 50, you take 25 and you tell them the stock market's going to go up again. You tell the other 25 the stock market's going to go down. You say, "Well, what about what about the other 50?" You write them off. You don't have anything to do with them anymore. Because you're you're th- this is the way a scam works. They zero in for their turkey. Is what they're looking for. So, Twenty-five are told it's going to go up again. Twenty-five, it's going to go down. It goes up again. The guy goes back to the twenty-five, then it went up again. He goes, see, two times in a row, I'm right. I know this stuff. He takes twelve, says it's going to go up again. Takes thirteen, it says it's going to go down again. It goes down, let's say, the next time. Then he goes to the thirteen. And he says, you know, I've been right three times in a row now. Um... Look, do you have a couple thousand dollars you want to invest? Well, give me your money and I'll, and I'll invest it for you. And so, 13 people give him a couple thousand dollars apiece. They never see the guy again. <laughs> How can that happen? Well, because he was playing the numbers. He was playing the odds. And if you tell enough people something long enough and change a story to every different group of people, some people are going to say, boy, that person's really not really a coup. But others are going to say, wow, this guy knows the market. Well, Paul wasn't doing the numbers game. He simply just went and said, you know, you should have listened to me. Look at the disaster this has ended in. Now notice he says, and now I urge you to take heart And there will be no loss of life among you, only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you and all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe that God, I believe that God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground. On a certain island. Wow, talk about a word of knowledge. He, he had it nailed. Now, here's something really amazing. Paul, the prisoner, now becomes the chief source of hope for the people on board. Um, remember that. I believe we all need to remember that. You, me, were a source of hope in a world where there isn't any hope. In these few verses here, Paul says, look, it's not going to end in a disaster like you think. The ship's going to be a loss, but none of our lives will be lost. You can always get more stuff, but you can't get another you. So he brings hope to a very hopeless situation. That's the heart, and that's the thought behind what he's doing. Well, notice he says, but on the 14th night had come, and we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. We don't know how they were able to do this. Sometimes, uh, being in boats for many, many years myself, you can kind of sense when you're getting close to the land. I don't know whether it's just a heightened sense of awareness when you hear waves maybe crashing on a beach far away. Maybe it's, they could maybe see some campfires along the shores or whatever, because if you're getting close to land, generally speaking, you're getting close to some type of shore. And so 14 days is a long time to be driven up and down the sea. Uh Remember, they have no way now to control their boat. They're just at the mercy of the seas. And so it says, when the fourteenth night had come, they were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. And when they'd gone a little farther, they took soundings again and it found to be 15 fathoms. So it went from about 120 foot to about 60 foot or, or 90 foot, excuse me. And they realized that they were, they were, they were getting closer and closer to land. Then fearing that we would run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Um, these guys were scared beyond measure because first of all, there's a couple things. It was extremely cold. Probably there was, it was snowing. Uh, a lot of times we don't think that because of the area that it was in, but understanding again that this was probably mid to late October. Uh, And we all have even seen here in southern Idaho, uh, it's snow in October. I've seen Halloweens where kids are in the snow. And I remember one time I was putting paint on my house in the middle of October and we had temperatures down 10 above zero. So we know that it can do that. And I I think this is kind of what it appears was happening here as well, that the weather was was really um, giving these guys a bad time. And so they dropped anchors. They knew if the ship broke up, they'd be thrown in the water. And were they, it's night. Are they Are they 20 miles from shore? Are they a mile from shore? They don't know. They can't see. All they know is that the sea evidently sounded different, which it does when you come into a shallower water. Um, and and uh, so uh, they, they dropped anchors and prayed for day to come. As the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Wow. Um, it's kind of like everybody needed each other here.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening.